At first glance, Donald Trump would not have appeared to be the type of politician rural Americans would identify with. A lifelong New York real estate developer, born with the proverbial silver spoon in his mouth, and with essentially zero experience dealing with agriculture or other issues of importance to those of us who live in so-called flyover country. And yet, for the past four years, the former president captivated the majority of voters across farm country and earned the overwhelming support of those involved in farming and agribusiness. Despite a crippling trade war with China, just incremental gains from converting NAFTA to USMCA, and some not insignificant slip-ups with small oil refineries weaseling their way out of the renewable fuel standard, President Trump made the connection with farm voters through his brash talk, push for deregulation, and tax relief. So how do rural Americans feel about his successor, President Joe Biden? Welcome to Feedstuffs in Focus, our podcast taking a deeper look at big issues in the livestock, poultry, grain, and feed industries. I'm your host, Andy Vance. Thanks for joining us. In this episode, we talk with Mike Wilson, the executive editor of Farm Futures Magazine, about his latest survey of farmers and their thoughts and fears about President Biden's policies related to farming and agribusiness. This episode of Feedstuffs in Focus is sponsored by United Animal Health, a leader in animal health and nutrition. You can learn more about United Animal Health and how they're working to advance animal science worldwide by visiting their website, unitedanh.com. 2020 was a big year of change politically, an election year, of course, with a change in leadership of the White House, change in who controls both houses of Congress, and there are some concerns out there bubbling in rural America about what that means for farming, agriculture, and agribusiness. Joining me now, Mike Wilson, executive editor of Farm Futures, a longtime friend of mine. Mike, you, you do a series of surveys of farmers and, and rural Americans throughout the year on a variety of things, ranging from you know estimates of the U.S. corn crop size on to you know, political sentiment and, and uh, business optimism and so on. Your latest survey of the Farm Futures readership focused on the Biden administration and, and what farmers are thinking about the political tea leaves over the next four years. Let's start off with big picture. When you looked at the survey results, what were some of the things that jumped out at you and that you learned about the, the pulse of rural America? First of all, the reaction is I wasn't too surprised, and I'll tell you a little bit about what the survey said. Uh, basically, we asked this, these questions of our farmer audience about how they feel the Biden administration uh, would impact their businesses. And remember that these uh, questions were offered in a survey in December, so it wasn't too long after the election, and we still had a lot of political trouble. <laughs> back then, uh, you know, it's kind of cooled off, I think, over the, the last few months, but uh, there was a little bit more distress in the countryside back then. Anyway, uh, the survey said 88% of our farmer audience believe taxes will go up under Biden administration. 71% believe WOTUS will be overturned. 50% said that farms will receive payments for climate mitigation efforts, which I think is a topic we ought to talk about. 22% very small number believe markets will stabilize with a new trade strategy. And then 81% said there will be less ad hoc government assistance for agriculture producers, which I don't think you can really argue with considering hopefully we're going to be past COVID and past the, the MFP payments. So I think that kind of is a logical reaction. But the others, the other 
uh, reactions point to a certain level of unease about Biden, but not just him, uh, also the new Congress. We have the 50-50 split in the Senate. I think a lot of people in our audience believe that for whatever reason, the Democrats are going to be more regulatory minded and more tax minded. One of the things I've found really interesting over the past four years in general, as somebody who's been covering agriculture as a journalist for 20 years now, when I started in this business, uh, President George W. Bush was running for office and it was maybe, uh, I would say, a great avatar for the free trade pro-business capitalist mindset, right? Do you look at the number of free trade agreements, multilateral, uh, bilateral type trade agreements that were signed? And then you, you fast forward uh, <laughs> 16 years and the Republicans avatar is what you might say was fairly anti-trade or at least more protectionist than either of his two immediate predecessors. Am I, am I out of line in kind of observing maybe a, a, a total role reversal from not, not only the Republican party, but the farmer audience that you're talking about with this survey that the farmer audience, uh, if we went back even, even six, eight years felt fairly pro trade to me and, and would have been, uh, averse to a trade war with China. Is that, is that a fair read of the shift in farmer sentiment over the past six to eight to 10 years? <laughs> You've just said a mouthful. <laughs> I'm not sure I can even unpack everything you just said, but to me anyway, this is just my opinion. I think farmers have always been for trade and we have always pointed out that trade wars cannot be won by anyone. And yet, you also have Donald Trump coming into office and immediately saying he's going to put his foot down with China. So there's a lot of people who have been convinced over the last four years that that was the right thing to do. And, and I understand the point. There were a lot of bad things China was doing, all, you know, everything from intellectual property to human rights. I'm not saying that that's not necessarily the right thing. But having done this, Donald Trump's approach was very much just a one-off where I think Biden will be more strategic. His new trade ambassador has pledged to be uh, grouping his allies together to be strategic in the way they approach China. But to get back to your point, yeah, I think that free trade was on everyone's mind. I don't know about you, but I stopped and th thought to myself, there's no way he's gonna do this because agriculture is always the tip of the spear. And sure enough, agriculture was hitting a painful point when this trade war started. I'm not sure anybody really believed what Trump could do in terms of those those market payments that he made to farmers. But uh, I think a lot of people said that was the they would be glad to take that money in exchange for free market uh, you know sales to China. So what you said is a mouthful. I can remember going way back to uh, my dad. You know, my, I think most farms in general. I think there was a, if you had to talk, I don't really love talking about politics anymore. It's no longer interesting when people are so polarized, but my dad was a Democrat and a lot of his friends were Democrats. And for whatever reason or not, maybe that goes way back to the depression era and all the programs that were put in place, but sure. Free trade, who doesn't love free trade and uh, a trade war is against free trade. So, yeah. Yeah, it's a great observation. I, I think about my own families, and I think uh, 
probably both sides of the house, you know, going back, grandparents were New Deal Democrat types. And I think you, I think you said, well, that seemed to be a prevailing thing among, you know, farm families I could think of. And, and maybe even my own parents probably were registered in one party and, and uh, maybe voted in a different one, you know, things change and shift. And it's, it's a fascinating thing about if you study political science, now, I want to get back to the survey for a minute. So I don't get off too deep in the weeds on the politics because the policy I think is really what gets interesting. So you, you shared some of the results there, there seemed to be pretty broad agreement among the respondents that taxes will go up. The WOTUS uh, waters of the U S would be overturned pretty broad, thought that there would be less uh, government assistance for ag producers, which, which I tend to agree with you that with COVID and the market facilitation payments, we would logically assume those might go the way of the dodo. What I thought was, was really interesting was, and, and we talked about trade here for a minute, I, and I want to give a little promo. You uh, have a pretty good program coming up on trade at your, your Farm Future Summit, which I think uh, uh, will be of interest to to our audiences as well as your farm futures audience. But this idea that the markets uh, won't stabilize with a new trade strategy. So if I, if I interpret that correctly, the respondents are expecting there to be some sort of continued, I don't know if dysfunction is the right word, but lack of stability in trade moving forward. Is that, uh, is that what I heard you say a moment ago? Yeah, I mean, the survey says 78% disagree with the idea that markets will stabilize with a new trade strategy. I have to tell you, Andy, I kind of feel like this survey shows a sort of a, a partisanship, whereas, you know, today you and I, maybe our readership could look at these questions in a little bit more analytical way and separate out from our, uh, you know, the election and the feelings of unhappiness about your, your candidate not getting elected. I kind of feel a little bit like the folks who, who checked in on this survey, they were going to vote one way or another on all of these questions. And so you, there's no rational reason, in my opinion, for people not to be somewhat encouraged about trade going forward. Okay, Biden, his expertise was in foreign policy when he worked at Obama, for Obama. And he's just putting through a really great candidate to be the negotiator, top negotiator. She speaks fluent Mandarin. She's all on board with the idea of putting together a group of countries as a strategic approach to trade. We have many other opportunities for trade from United Kingdom to South Africa to India. So I, I don't see any real logical reason why people shouldn't feel good about the potential for trade, especially after the kinds of uh, the boom we've seen with China. Obviously, they're rebuilding their hog herd. We have every reason to be optimistic now as far as trade, in my opinion. Yeah, that's. Uh, I, th I think I would read the tea leaves the same way. I, I don't see any reason not to be optimistic on trade moving forward, aside from you know just some crazy macro shifts that uh, none of us are foreseeing. Some sort of black swan, uh, which you know is always a possibility. The other question that you asked in the survey that I think is really important and interesting relative to uh, animal agriculture, maybe in particular, is this idea that farms would receive payments for climate mitigation efforts. One, I want to, I want to ask you kind of what the thought process was when you're creating these surveys and, and asking 
poll questions. How do you go about deciding what gets asked? And was there, was there a reason that you were polling the readers on the idea of, of receiving payments for climate mitigation efforts? And then what did you take away from this kind of 50-50 split you saw in the responses? <laughs> well, you probably want to hear that this was some sort of really clever analytical uh, decision. But no, it's a, a group of us getting together and trying to figure out, reading the tea leaves, uh, what are farmers either going to be thinking about or need to start thinking about in the future. And I think you know as well as I do that climate is not a thing that we can know we, we're going to debate anymore. It's an actual problem that has to be solved, whether extremes have been hitting farmers hard, no matter what. If you're in Texas with cattle or trying to plant crops in 2019, it's just, you know, it's something that everybody is talking about. And now there may be actual government policy at the federal level. So basically we were thinking it was time to start asking questions about what farmers believe might happen with uh, climate mitigation. And as you know, there's, there is there is some legislation that may be moving ahead that will allow uh, a little bit clearer picture for farmers to start being paid for their climate smart practices. And so we just wanted to see if there was something that we could get some answers about. And this was, you know, a 50-50 answer of obviously doesn't really tell you much, but <laughs> at least it's not, you know, 80, 80% one way or the other. So maybe it does say something. Yeah, it kind of part of me says that uh, that's the farmer audience saying, yeah, we don't really know. <laughs> we think something's yeah. going to happen, but we don't know what. It, it, and that's not a, that's not a, a, you know, an official uh uh, statistical way to to interpret that, but I I think you are onto something that it feels like something is going to happen. Certainly, this administration is going to have a different view on climate than uh, the Trump administration did. I've kind of maintained one of the things that in covering farmer sentiment on things and how we respond, and a lot of it, you know, you kind of interpret from those who are extremely online, which isn't necessarily a representative sample of any particular group of demographics but that farmers maybe have responded, have bristled a little bit uh, at talk of climate change, or maybe they feel attacked. But I've kind of held the idea that farmers have a lot of uh, things that they can sell as, as benefits here. There, there are a number of great stories for agriculture to tell when it comes to having some climate solutions. Do you think there's some opportunity? You mentioned in the story some bipartisanship from uh, Senator uh, Chairman Debbie Stabenow of the Ag Committee, uh, Mike Brown of Indiana, pushing pushing some bipartisan solutions that could help farmers participate in carbon markets. Could you share a little bit about what you're seeing there as opportunity for your readers and ours? Yeah, I believe that there are some positives. We should be talking about that. I don't want to talk about too many negatives here. There is a chance, you know, if you've been following Congress the last month or so since they've been in office, uh, there's not been a lot of bipartisanship, as our policy editor, Jackie Fatka, has pointed out many times. And I encourage everyone to go read her blog at farmfutures.com. It's called DC Dialogue. She is really on the top of her game with the coverage of, of the Capitol Hill situation. She's pointing it out that uh, there's not a lot of bipartisanship just yet. But I think that both, both sides of the aisle agree on climate to some degree. And a lot of the uh, positive that can be taken from that go back to renewable fuels and that goes back to ethanol. I don't think we're gonna see 
the uh, issues with ethanol that we saw the last few years with small small oil refineries slipping through the RFS cracks, so to speak. You know, for the audience, um, the feed industry, this may not be as great the great news uh, as it would be for the grain guys, because you obviously are you see continued high demand then for ethanol and feedstocks for ethanol, that's gonna drive up feed prices. I'm not an economist obviously, but that makes sense to me. You also have this question about, um, uh, about livestock and the methane and all that. I don't wanna to get too deep in the woods on that. I've written a series of blogs about that if, you want, if you're interested, but I, I think that we have to all be kind of make sure that agriculture is in the room where it happened. When they're making these decisions on policies, as long as agriculture is, is there and making uh, conscious, you know, being part of the solution, we're gonna be fine. As one of the uh, sources points out in my story, Lance Lillibridge, she's an Iowa farmer. It's like making the point that we have to be there. We have to be part of the solution and not have, the one thing that every farmer hates the idea of, and this is the one thing that Donald Trump did so well, was on regulations. He deregulated a lot of things. And no one in agriculture wants a regulation. They do not want a stick. They want a carrot. That's the way you move business. You, you change and you, you incentivize people. And as you say, agriculture has a lot to offer in the, on the climate side. A lot of solutions can come from agriculture and the carbon sequestration business. So I think that it's all potentially quite positive. Also on the positive side is Tom Vilsack. You know, people say, well, he's kind of a retread. Well, he's, he's going into office and he's hitting the ground running. There's no learning curve. And just like Sonny Perdue did for Trump, I think uh, Vilsack can be a real help to Joe Biden in, in making sure that he gets it right. Yeah, and I think there's, and you you hit on something really important there. I can't imagine too much pushback to Secretary Vilsack. He, I think, gained uh, the respect of the balance of the industry during during the Obama administration. I can't think of anything overly problematic that that, that uh, the mainstream agriculture groups had in terms of a bone to pick with the secretary. Obviously, he worked in industry, and uh, the the years in between his tenures in uh, the Witten Building, so. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of of the same mind that is going to hit the ground running and perhaps be able to be an advocate within the administration, if that makes sense for the industry, as opposed to, you know, being an errand boy for some sort of, of radical agenda. I think, he, I think having, having experienced hand in, on the tiller there is probably a good thing in, in the context of some of the fears that your readers and survey respondents might have about this administration. Is that a, a fair take? Yeah, I think that what you just said, the phrase radical agenda, to me, this, what we're learning here is that people were afraid. They're afraid of change, and I get that. I mean, they're in the front lines. They're trying to run a business. And I don't think that Joe Biden is a radical agenda guy. I think that he is as moderate as moderate could be in that group of political presidential candidates. He's not AOC. He's not going to you know, I just don't see that happening. I think that what agriculture has to do, as Lance Liberidge said, is we got to work with whoever's in office. We got to educate people. We got to get our farm groups organized. And let's let's not forget, we have some of the best lobbyists on the planet, and and in these groups, 
uh, farm organizations. They get the job done. So I'm not worried about this. And I think that farmers shouldn't worry about it either. I mean, obviously be ready and watch the news and talk to your legislators. That's the take home to me. But I don't see any big radical agenda coming out of this uh, the next four years. I mean, obviously we have to watch taxes. We have to watch things like WOTUS, but I don't think that, the, that we need to be as worried as this survey indicates, put it that way. That's a great note on which to wrap up our conversation. Mike Wilson, executive editor of Farm Futures. I'll include a link to Mike's article with the survey results in the show notes for this episode. So if you haven't read the article at Farm Futures, you can do so uh, with a with a couple clicks there. I would encourage you to go through and, and read the story. It's a great piece, Mike, and appreciate your reporting on it. And thanks for sharing the survey results and, and giving a great bit of advice as the saying goes, if you're not at the table, there's a chance you're going to be on the menu. Uh, thanks for joining Thank us in this you, episode. <laughs> this episode of Feedstuffs in Focus is sponsored by United Animal Health, a leader in animal health and nutrition. You can learn more about United Animal Health and how they're working to advance animal science worldwide by visiting the website unitedanh.com. My thanks to Mike Wilson, executive editor of Farm Futures, for sharing his insights on the latest Farm Futures survey. For the latest reporting on policy and legislation related to livestock and animal feed production and how it affects your business, visit our website, feedstuffs.com, and join us in our new virtual community and events platform, Feedstuffs 365. Earlier this year, we talked about President Biden's priorities for agriculture. You can go back and watch that and all of our content at Feedstuffs 365 by visiting the archive there in the platform. I'm Andy Vance, and you've been listening to Feedstuffs in Focus. Thanks for joining us today. If you want to hear more conversations about some of the big issues affecting the livestock, poultry, grain, and feed industries, subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platforms, including Apple and Google Podcasts. Or you can always check out our website, feedstuffs.com, for future episodes. Until next time, have a great day, and thanks for listening.